Hello and welcome to Midlifery the Podcast, Episode 3, Not Your Mama's Menopause. I'm Melanie and I will be your host. Today we're actually talking about um, what I think may have been a truth at one point, but what I now look upon as a myth, which is that your menopause or the path of your menopause and perimenopause will follow that of your mother's. Um, This is something I was told when I was a lot younger. I always had very difficult periods and was always looking forward to the point when they would stop, not realizing that the journey to them stopping would be the one that I'm on now, which I'd also like to stop. So this wasn't the intended um, topic because I'd spoken to some people early in the week and there were were quite a few things um, that I wanted to cover, which we've got all the time in the world to do. Um, But at the moment, the absolute proliferation of daughter posts for National Daughter Day, which I'm sure is made up by someone, I'm just not sure by whom, uh, on social this weekend just really had me thinking about this whole mother-daughter dynamic. Um, I was was told this when I was younger, um, but when I thought about it, I was always sort of stuck in a bit of a quandary because my mother had passed away when she was 46, um, the mother of two young children who, uh, for the best of my knowledge, had not entered the menopause. And I thought to myself, oh gosh, that means it's gonna be after 46, when's that gonna be? Not understanding that there was this perimenopause phase that leads up into it. I also realized that you know she may have been perimenopausal um, and still able to conceive my brother and I uh, when she was in her early 40s, that's possible. But what this got me thinking was, okay, mom had kids, she had them late, but she had kids. I've never had children. So what's that going to do to my menopause and perimenopause? Because unlike people who've gone out and procreated, I have not had this hormonal, hula hoop roller coaster ride of emotions and hormones and just craziness. I haven't had that before. So this uh, foray into uh, this chapter of of my menstrual life um, is where I'm kind of going, okay, this is all new to me. There is no precursor. There's no nothing before that's going to tell my body what's happening or what it should be doing. So that's definitely different. Um, The other thing then I started thinking about is, okay, a lot of my friends have had kids, but some have had them very late. So some of my friends, their moms may have had them in their 20s or 30s, but then they themselves haven't had children until they were in their late 30s or early 40s. Um, So there's a real difference in, in, in when we're having children or whether or not we're actually having children. And it makes me wonder, what bearing does this have on the life cycle of, of our eggs and, and you know, our journey uh, from, from being menstrual to being menopausal. So that, that was kind of a real starting point, a bit of a linchpin for me. But then it got me thinking about the lifestyles that we lead. And it's not just the kids versus no kids versus late motherhood. Um, but also what we do with our lives. So if we choose to be uh, working women, um, a lot of us are in sometimes very senior roles, very stressful stressful roles. We might be on the other side of the spectrum and working in a job that's manual with not a lot of pay, but that brings other stresses around money and security. Um, if you live in America, you know, medical care. 
um, insurance. Um, so there's this whole level of stress that is different. It's not saying that that people in previous times didn't have the same, didn't have stress. They had different stresses and is the sort of stress that sees us holding that belly fat just a little bit more like a man with a spare tire. Is that something that's also going to contribute to how we experience our perimenopause and ultimately our menopause? Um, diet's another biggie for me. So um, I'm not a big fan of, of dieting. I'm not a fan of fad dieting. I tend to be, you know, if you want ice cream, eat ice cream, just eat less of it. Um, I had some Ben and Jerry's low fat, what is it, Mufaria the other day, it was a vile, it was all sugar. And I was like, do you know what? I'll just take one scoop of proper ice cream. But not everyone does that. So some people, they go keto, they go, I'm old school, Atkins or paleo, um, Weight Watchers, Slimming World, all these calorie controlled or um, food group controlled diets which I think, um, again, our bodies weren't, weren't, you know, historically measured by coping with, with these, these weird nutrient balances that we're introducing to our bodies now. So surely that is also going to have a, an effect on this, this phase of our lives. Um, geography. Geography sounds like a weird one, but part of my, my allergy thing that kicked in when I was in my early 40s was uh, when I went to the allergy, allergy specialist, they sort of said, oh, the fact that you grew up in North America, but that you spent the sort of second half of your life in the UK means that you, you haven't necessarily built up immunities to certain things, or I'm probably getting that wrong, so don't quote me on it. But, um, but basically the fact that I changed geography meant that how my body processed different foods was potentially impacted. And that made me think, gosh, well, if you move, say, from uh, somewhere like Asia or, or somewhere Af in Africa to the West, well, I can tell you, we all know, <laughs> you'll be eating a lot more processed food than you would likely be uh, if you'd stayed where you started. Um, conversely, if you've moved from somewhere in the West to somewhere in the East or Africa, again, your diet might be changing the other way around. But this change in, in, in geography is primarily, again, I guess going back to diet, there are changes. It might also be to do with your stress levels because the type of life that you're living may be different, whether it's more stressful or less stressful. But we move much more than than our, our predecessors have. So that constant move of geography, and it might even be as simple as moving from the city to the country or vice versa. I know that I moved from a much more urban location to a more suburban location. And what that resulted for me as a non-driver is reliance on public transport and buses. So when I lived in say London or San Francisco, New York, I was you know doing my 10,000 steps and then some every day. I moved out of those areas and all of a sudden find myself struggling to get to 5,000 steps a day. Um, not saying that steps is the measure by which we should measure everything, but it just shows that my activity levels uh, you know, just dropped massively when I left that urban environment, whereas some people in a rural environment find, might find that actually because of the lifestyle they lead and if they're outdoors more, they had a more manual job, they go somewhere like a big city and all of a sudden they're desk bound. So this change in geography has an impact on a lot of things, which again, when we moved less, would have been less of an issue. Um, Cultural norms are another thing that I start thinking about because I one of one of my friends who I spoke to 
um, who is a professor in, in Latina studies, she will hopefully join me for one episode at some point. And we can look at, um, at how perimenopause, menopause, women's issues are sort of viewed within that culture. But again, you know, whether, when I say to my British friends about, you know, oh, it's a shame that my mom and my stepmom have both passed away because I've got no one to talk to about this. Most of them think I'm mad because they're like, I would never talk to my mom about this anyway. Um, so there's even this, this cultural uh, awareness and, and handling of this, this particular phase in our lives. Um, I think most Americans, at least the ones I know from, from coastal America, would be very open to talking about this, whereas perhaps people from the Bible Belt in the middle might be less inclined to have these, these frank conversations. But, you know, then I start thinking about, okay, well, what's the difference then between Black American culture, Black Caribbean culture, Black African culture, um, and then talking about this phase of life and how it's perceived by the community um, in which women, these women live. So it's just kind of something else that you sort of think about is where does this all fit? Because the perception of the perimenopause and the menopause uh, will also have a bearing on how you you deal with it. So if you are in a culture where it's just a sort of badge of honor and you just go with it, um, you just go with it. If you're somewhere where actually it's it's a it's a boon and it's difficult and you. Um, you might look to taking things like HRT um, or doing something else to quash these symptoms and make them disappear rather than deal with them. That's going to be something else, um, which leads me to HRT, hormone replacement therapy, something I would not consider personally um, due to my family's medical background, but something that I think more and more women are rejecting um, because they don't want to be, they, they just want to kind of go through it which then makes me think of something I hadn't written down, which is birth control. Because again, because of my family history, I don't do hormones, but I know a lot of women who have been on the pill, for instance, since they were 16 years old, and they're now sitting here 30, 30 years later and uh, looking to come off it. And what's that gonna do to your body? What's that gonna do to, to the natural way of progression for this phase in your life? Um. Something that people have actually messaged in about um, is surgeries. So whether it's um, you've had breast cancer and they've, uh, I believe, induced the menopause early, or if you've had a hysterectomy and you 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 were again induced to have your, your menopause early, what does that do? Because obviously there's a medical side of it, but is there something else that's then going to happen as your body reaches its natural ages, or do you just bypass it completely i don't know and i'm asking you guys to come back and let me know but these are things where um where this is just sort of to me uncharted ter territory the other thing that i thought about which i know a number of trans uh, individuals and i know a number of women who've trans uh, transitioned to men um what's going to happen to you because that is something I I couldn't imagine. I, I think that is terrifying uh, to think that you have you know identified as a man, you've lived as a man, and all of a sudden your your clock, your nat your natural clock starts ticking, and your body starts doing stuff to you. Um, and again, I don't know. I don't know enough about this. And I think that's kind of what this podcast is to a certain extent. Me going, I don't know. Help me with answers, or help me 
go on a journey with me to find answers. But these are things that I just feel like need exploring. So when you sit there and I think back to myself as a little girl asking about the menopause and when is my period going to go away? Because God, I hate this thing. Um, and someone's saying, oh, well, it should follow your mother's path. I don't know if that's very true at the moment. And I think it's something that we need to think about because what what research is being done into this? What What is out there? I know that when I started going through these symptoms and started looking for resources, they were thin on the ground. And I'm sitting here two years later and still finding these resources thin on the ground. Um, it still feels like a pretty taboo subject. It feels still feels like something that, as I said, at least over here in the UK where I live, people are not okay with talking to their moms and people who've been through it already. Um, I've got a yarn shop and some of you who uh, have been to my knit and natters and know, know me, I will ask the older ladies in the group about it. I am like, tell me what's going to happen. Um, and again, the roller coaster of different things is just I have people who've had severe mental health issues I have people who've had severe physical symptoms um people who've unfortunately had both um it's really it's bonkers um but this is our life and this is what's happening to us and for me it's just about trying to get to a better understanding of what this really means as we sit here in our midlifery in our middle age and try to wake up every day, smile, get on with things, and not feel like aliens in our own bodies. So that's 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 all I've got for you guys this week. This was actually really, again, not the easiest one to record. I thought it would be quite straightforward, um, but it hasn't been. Um, and maybe it is the mom thing. Maybe it is the daughter thing. But uh, yeah, thank you for coming on this journey with me. And uh, we'll look at what we explore next week. I think I'm going to stop trying to plan it and see what sort of comes up. Um, any feedback as well is always welcome. You can leave a voice message through Anchor uh, FM or you can drop us an email at hello at midlifery.co.uk. Thank you very much.